Welcome to the Abarta Audio Guide to Woodstown, a Viking Age settlement in County Waterford. This guide, produced in conjunction with the National Roads Authority, tells the story of the archaeological discovery of a major Viking settlement on the banks of the River Shore in County Waterford. The guide serves as a companion to the new book of the same name, which provides detailed analysis and illustrations of the excavation. The site at Woodstown was discovered during archaeological investigations in advance of the construction of the N25 Waterford City Bypass. The investigations revealed one of the most exciting archaeological discoveries ever made in Ireland, a 9th century Viking Age site of truly international importance. This guide is broken into separate tracks, with each track discussing a particular aspect of Woodstown and what it reveals about life in Viking Ireland, beginning with the story of how the site was first discovered. Evidence of the past was first identified at Woodstown during a programme of archaeological testing and evaluation in advance of the construction of the N25 Waterford City Bypass. The testing phase was carried out in 2003 and involved the excavation of 29 trenches which were placed in a herringbone pattern across the site using a mechanical digger. The site was further examined by non-intrusive methods by conducting a large geophysical survey of the area to give us further insights into the nature of the archaeological remains. A large number of potentially archaeological features were identified and between August and September 2003, an excavation was carried out on a number of the features in order to assess the nature of the archaeological remains on the site. The largest features discovered on the site were two large parallel ditches that enclosed an area measuring approximately 460 metres long and 150 metres wide. This enclosed area contained the vast majority of archaeological features and a large number of artefacts. Just outside of the enclosure, a grave containing Viking Age weaponry was discovered, one of very few Viking burials directly associated with the Scandinavian settlement in Britain or Ireland. Due to the obvious importance of the site, Woodstown was declared a national monument and the proposed road was relocated to avoid impacting upon the site. A number of small-scale targeted research excavations were carried out to better understand the nature of the archaeology. However, despite this work, less than 10% of the total site has been subject to archaeological testing and less than 5% of the site has been archaeologically resolved. Despite this minimal excavation, the investigations at Woodstown produced over 6,000 artefacts and it is undoubtedly one of the most important archaeological sites to have ever been discovered in Ireland. Today, the site is a protected national monument. All trenches and testing areas have been fully backfilled and the site has returned to peaceful pastureland. Nothing can be seen today at the site of either the archaeological programme or the Viking settlement. Following conservation and analysis by experts, a selection of artefacts from the site are on permanent display in the Woodstown exhibition in Reginald's Tower in Waterford City. The archaeological site at Woodstown lies approximately six kilometres west of the modern city of Waterford, on the southern banks of the River Shore, overlooked by the Cummera Mountains to the southwest and the Walsh Mountains to the north, 
with the Calotteran Stream, a small river that runs into the shore, located to the northeast. The landscape was formed during the last ice age, when huge sheets of ice deposited layers of glacial till and rocks. Following the retreat of the last ice sheet, plants began to colonise the landscape. Around 13,000 years ago, vegetation like dwarf willow and dock covered the region, eventually giving way to juniper, birch and hazel. Around 5,000 years ago, the area was covered with a thick oak forest. It was during this time the marshy fen developed that formed the southwest boundary of the site. This riverside site was always a desirable location, and evidence of early prehistoric human activity was identified at Woodstown with the discovery of a number of stone tools. These ranged in date from the time of the hunter-gatherers in the Mesolithic period, approximately 8,000 years ago, to the Neolithic period, the time of Ireland's first farmers, approximately 6,000 years ago. The river shore at Woodstown is around 310 metres wide and flows in a northeasterly direction. This stretch of the channel is known as the Long Reach and it is tidal in this area. It would have been easily navigable throughout the prehistoric and early medieval periods, even for relatively large seagoing ships. When the Vikings first sailed up the river shore to Woodstown during the 9th century, they would have found an area of open farmland, probably worked on by a community from the nearby church of Calotteran. Though there are no visible remains of the church today, it's likely that it was a typical small wooden church surrounded by an enclosure ditch with an earthen bank. The monks, or the lay population, operated a water mill nearby, that was also excavated during the archaeological programme in advance of road construction. Woodstown was situated on the border of the territory of the Dacia and the Kingdom of Ossory. The Dacia controlled a kingdom that incorporated most of County Waterford and parts of South Tipperary and Cork, while the ancient Kingdom of Ossory incorporated most of County Kilkenny and a portion of County Leash. The Vikings often chose to establish their bases on these territorial borders and exploited the disputed zones between kingdoms. The king of Ossory at the time was Kjarval, son of Dunling, who appears in the annals as a remarkable figure who enjoyed a stratospheric rise to power to become a successful warrior king. It has been suggested by historians that perhaps the reason for his success was wealth, possibly generated by trading with the Vikings. Kjarval appears to have had a complex relationship with the various Viking settlements in Ireland and is recorded as both fighting Vikings and occasionally fighting alongside them. An ancient compilation known as Three Fragments of Annals gives an account of Kjarval working alongside the Danes, quite possibly Vikings from Woodstown, to defeat a raiding party of Norwegian Vikings known as Lochlands, who were plundering a neighbouring kingdom. They asked for help to assist and relieve them against the Northmen who were harassing and plundering them at the time. Kjarval came with his army of Danes, and when the Lachlan saw them, they were filled with fear. From a high place on Crohan Hill, Kjarval addressed his men. They rose out and attacked the Lachlans. The Lachlans fled to the woods, which were then surrounded by Kjarval and his men. They killed and slaughtered the Lachlans at Crohan in the Onoth. This victory was gained in 852. 
It's quite possible that the Vikings were initially given permission to establish a base by the powerful Kjarval, who then profited from this strong military and economic alliance. However, somewhat surprisingly, there are no direct references to the Viking base at Woodstown. The annals do record a number of raids and battles between Vikings and the native Irish throughout the period, and a sharp increase in the number of recorded raids between 837 and 848 may be related to the establishment of a permanent Viking base at Woodstown. However, the first direct reference to Vikings in County Waterford was recorded in 860, when a Waterford fleet was defeated at a site in South County Kilkenny. Woodstown may not have been the only Viking base in the area, and there could have been a number situated in the region of Waterford Harbour. After the Vikings left their settlement at Woodstown, sometime in the 10th century, the fields where the settlement once stood gradually reverted to farmland again. In later centuries, ploughing has disturbed the site and has damaged many of the archaeological features and scattered artefacts from their original contexts. The construction of a railway line in the 1870s is likely to have destroyed portions of the site, particularly along the banks of the River Shore. The date traditionally viewed as the beginning of the Viking Age in Ireland is 795 AD, when the Annals of Ulster record an attack by the Genti or Pagans on Rathlin Island off the north coast of County Antrim. That same year, monasteries at Inish Murray off the coast of County Sligo and Inish Boffin off the coast of County Mayo were plundered, along with Iona, the Irish monastery off the coast of the Argyll Peninsula in Scotland. These attacks were carried out at the same time as a number of raids across Britain. The reason for this sudden aggressive expansion and raiding is not completely clear. However, it may be the result of a combination of factors, like advances in ship design, navigation, a desire for wealth and status, and perhaps through pressure, brought about by an expanding population in their homelands. The Vikings established bases, often referred to in the annals as long forts, which can be translated to ship camps. They are thought of as being settlements that are defended by a ditch or wooden palisade fence. They were often temporary bases, used for raiding for a season or two, or in some cases, like that of Woodstown, they became more permanent, and were used as trading stations, as well as military camps. Over time, the Vikings became entwined with the local Gaelic populations and became known as the Hiberno-Norse. This can be seen in the number of insular Irish artefacts found at Viking sites like Woodstown, where typically Irish objects like ringed pins used to fasten cloaks and other fragments of Irish decorative metalwork have been discovered. Later historical records also inform us of dynastic marriages between the Scandinavian settlers and Irish brides. The first Viking Age ended in 902 with the expulsion of the Vikings, or at least their leaders, from Dublin by a combined force of Irish warriors from the kingdoms of Leinster and Brega. The Vikings returned with an enormous fleet in 914 which landed at Waterford Harbour. In 917, the powerful Viking leader Ragnall O'Heaver arrived in Waterford. Ragnall was the grandson of the feared Ivar the Boneless, 
who had ruled Dublin in the mid-9th century. Ragnall would go on to become the leader of the Vikings in Waterford, and his kinsman Citric became the king of Dublin. Through Ragnall and Citric, the O'Heaver dynasty became the most powerful and respected Viking rulers in Ireland, lasting until the Anglo-Norman conquest of Waterford and Dublin in the late 12th century. Trying to reconstruct what daily life would have been like for people living in Woodstown is difficult, due to the limited amount of excavation and the fact that most everyday objects would have been made from organic material, like bone, wood, horn and leather, and these unfortunately did not survive in the acidic soils. However, by examining the evidence of what was discovered during the excavations, and by looking at other Viking settlements in Ireland, like Dublin and Waterford, where preservation allowed more organic remains to survive, we can get insights into what everyday life may have been like in the settlement. Streets were carefully subdivided into plots, and generally within each plot you'd find a house. Though there are some variances in different house types and architectural designs, a typical Viking house was rectangular in shape and built from timber with post and wattle walls made by weaving thin rods, typically from the flexible hazel tree, in between uprights that were driven into the ground. Life in a Viking house revolved around the hearth that provided heat and light as well as being used for cooking. The houses were often divided into three aisles and raised areas either side of the hearth were believed to have been used as seats through the day and as beds at night. Unlike houses today, there was little privacy, with all the family members generally sleeping within the one room. There was no indoor toilet. Instead, people relieved themselves in cesspits that were dug into the ground outside the building. A number of foundation remains like post holes and slot trenches found at Woodstown may be evidence of houses. However, only one complete foundation trench was identified during the excavation. This was of a similar size and shape to the most common house type discovered in excavations of Viking Dublin and Waterford. However, in this case, no evidence of a hearth was discovered inside the building, making it unlikely to have been a domestic house. Instead, a number of whetstones and honestones for sharpening edged tools, fragments of crucibles for melting metals and five lead weights were recovered from various features in the building. This suggests that the building was not a domestic dwelling and was instead used for industry or craft working. The type and range of daily activity in Woodstown is likely to have varied according to the social standing, age and gender of the individual. Like contemporary Gaelic settlements, it's likely that there were a number of tasks that both men and women worked on together, such as ploughing, reaping, looking after animals and other common farm tasks. Archaeological evidence from other Viking sites indicate that women also had an active role in commerce and trade, as scales and weights have been discovered in female graves. However, it's likely that there were a number of tasks that were more commonly carried out solely by women, such as child-rearing, food preparation and textile manufacture. Due to the limited areas of excavation and the acidic nature of the soil which precluded the preservation of most bone and organic material from which many of the artefacts would have been made, 
little direct evidence of these common activities has been recovered. Apart from a small triangular segment of bone that may have been part of a weaving tablet. Vikings were known to follow a routine of personal hygiene and grooming in their daily lives. And this is reflected at Woodstown, where fragments of bone and antler combs were also recovered during the excavation. A later 12th century account from England by John of Wallingford bemoans the comparatively well-groomed Viking warriors. They caused much trouble to the natives of the land, for they were wont, after the fashion of their country, to comb their hair every day, to bathe every Saturday, to change their garments often, and set off their persons by many frivolous devices. In this matter, they laid siege to the virtue of the married woman and persuaded the daughters even of the noble to be their concubines. From the limited excavations at Woodstown, it's difficult to identify individual people apart from the warrior who was interred in his grave. Though poignantly small teeth that belonged to a child of around six or seven years old were discovered in the ditch that enclosed the site, it can be difficult to imagine what life for a child in Viking Age Ireland was like. A number of Viking or Hiberno-Norse objects that may have been children's playthings were found during archaeological excavations in Dublin and Waterford, and these shed a poignant light into the experiences of children in Viking settlements. Artifacts include child-size ice skates made from bone, miniature wooden swords, string rattles, miniature wooden horses and toy animals, and a number of small wooden toy boats. Perhaps, much like children today, there was some imitation of adult roles during child play, and the prevalence of toy ships, swords and horses reflect the key elements of Viking life. A number of fragments of animal bone were recovered during the excavations, all of which showed signs of burning. These bones are generally of sheep or goat, pig and cattle, and reflect what animals were being eaten by the people of Woodstown. Unfortunately, due to the very acidic nature of the soil, it's likely that the more delicate bones of animals like hares, birds and fish, or unburned bones, did not survive. In our modern urban world, we are usually quite removed from animals apart from pets. The inhabitants of Woodstown would have had a quite different experience, and animals were far more central to their everyday lives. Apart from food, animals were used extensively in Viking and early medieval Ireland, and very little was wasted. Hides, fleeces, pelts and leather were used for clothing, footwear, blankets and more. Horns were used as drinking vessels, and antlers and bones had a multitude of uses, such as combs and pins. Horses were an important asset in Viking society, and were an indication of social standing and warrior status. The inhabitants of Woodstown probably kept chickens, an important food resource providing eggs and meat. It's quite likely that the original settlers to Woodstown brought animals with them, and presumably, as the settlement grew, trade with the Irish communities for food supplies and livestock became increasingly important. It's quite possible that the people living in Woodstown were not entirely Scandinavian Vikings. A number of the artefacts recovered during the excavation were of insular Irish type, perhaps suggesting that Irish people lived here alongside the Vikings, 
and that the settlement was, like Dublin, Hiberno-Norse, a blend of the two cultures. Alternatively, the artefacts may simply indicate trade and Irish cultural influence on the Scandinavian population. Though the excavations at Woodstown were limited in size and the preservation poor for organic remains, we can still begin to develop a picture of what daily life at Woodstown may have been like. A settlement on the river where men, women and children would have made music, played games, sang, danced, feasted and slept within wooden houses. Slaves would have carried out menial tasks, but everyone, whether man, woman or child, free or slave, warrior or trader, would have contributed to the settlement. Every day, the people of Woodstown would have guarded the settlement, tended to animals, fetched water and ensured that the settlement could continue to grow and become prosperous by working to produce textiles, glass, metalworking, trading, ship or boat building. Although only a small portion of the site at Woodstown was excavated, it revealed a wealth of information about Viking craft and industry. People living in a settlement like Woodstown would have carried out a variety of roles to ensure that the settlement functioned and was well maintained. The ability of people at Woodstown to produce goods was also essential to trade, which would have been vital for the success of the settlement. Due to the limited excavation areas and soil conditions, we do not yet have a complete picture of the variety and type of crafts and industries that were carried out at Woodstown, and only small fragments of important crafts were identified. For example, textile manufacture, a vital craft of Viking settlement, may only be represented by a small triangular segment of bone that may have been part of a weaving tablet. There were also small hints of glass, amber and lignite working on site, giving more evidence of the production and alteration of luxury trade goods and personal ornamentation. The ground conditions were more favourable to the preservation of metalworking, and Woodstown produced lots of evidence of both ferrous and non-ferrous metallurgy. The production of iron that could be used to create tools, weapons or nails was a two-stage process. First, the iron ore needed to be smelted. The ore was likely to have come from a bog or wetland where hydrated iron oxide can be formed from precipitation. Ore was placed in a small furnace constructed from clay and then heated by burning charcoal, forming an iron bloom a piece of raw iron that contains inclusions of charcoal and slag. The bloom was then put through the second stage of the process, where it was refined into usable iron by reheating and hammering. The remains of a small smelting furnace were discovered at Woodstown, in the end of the enclosure ditch at the northern entrance. Following the smelting process, the iron was then worked by a smith into usable objects like tools, weapons and other essential items like ship nails and other components. A number of slag cakes that were a waste product formed during the smithing process were found at Woodstown. Over 270 kilograms of iron working waste was recovered during the excavations and this large amount of material indicates the importance of metalworking on the site. 
The discovery of nine honestones and 63 rotary whetstones shows the importance the inhabitants of Woodstown placed on the creation and maintenance of sharp-edged tools and weapons. Scientific analysis of some of the recovered iron slag also showed that the level of carbon was being manipulated, indicating steel production, perhaps evidence of on-site sword manufacturing. As well as iron and steel, Woodstown also provided evidence of copper and silver working by the discovery of a number of fragments of ceramic crucibles and cupels. Crucibles were used to melt small amounts of metals like copper, silver and gold and cupels were used to test the quality of silver, giving another insight into the pivotal role of trade. Undoubtedly, one of the key items that the smith would have produced was ship nails and other small metal components that were essential to the maintenance and construction of ships and boats. The excavations at Woodstown produced a number of nails that give clear evidence of boat building. A large number of iron clench nails indicate maintenance of the ships and boats. The clench nails indicate that the majority of work was in the construction and maintenance of small boats, measuring between 4.5 metres and 12 metres in length although some examples of larger nails show that larger seagoing vessels were probably being maintained here too, or perhaps components of larger ships were being broken up and recycled. The prevalence of evidence for smaller boats could illustrate the nature of the riverside position of Woodstown. These smaller boats would be ideal for navigating up the river shore as small trading vessels heading inland. However, the prevalence of smaller nails may potentially be slightly misleading in that the smaller nails would be more easily lost and deposited while the larger nails would be more likely to be immediately reused. It may also be a result of location. Smaller boats are more likely to have been constructed or hauled up for repair in the dry land settlement whereas larger seagoing vessels would have been maintained on the riverbank. In any case, the volume of evidence for a number of small boats shows the importance of the river to the settlers at Woodstown. It's likely that there were a number of different forms of payment used in trade. These probably included barter, the direct exchange of one type of trade good for another, and bullion in the form of precious metal which would have been valued by its weight rather than its face value. This was a popular means of early trade with the Vikings as it offered a flexible currency in the period before coinage became common in Western Europe. As all silver was weighed, it could come from a variety of sources like ingots, which were blocks of cast metal or hack silver, fragments that had been cut from larger silver items. Woodstown provided evidence for this type of currency with the discovery of a significant amount of hack silver and a number of lead weights which were used on balance scales to quantify and value the precious metals. Many of the pieces of hack silver had been cut from objects that may have been taken in raids. An example of this was found in the discovery of an oblong fragment of cast and gilt copper alloy. It was quite possibly part of a religious book, as a partial inscription may be a contraction of the word dominus, a Latin word that translates to Lord. 
32 pieces of hack silver were discovered during the excavations at Woodstown. Small fragments of hack silver are likely to represent random accidental losses during the lifetime of the settlement, rather than any deliberate hoarding. The precious metals would have been scrupulously weighed in balance scales that used lead weights. A large number of these weights were recovered during the excavations. They were made from lead and generally appeared as either flat disks or elongated blocks or cubes. Some were decorated with glass or enamel, and one in particular was highly decorated, with a depiction of a human face with a bearded chin. Of the 199 weights discovered during the excavation, the majority weigh between 22 and 23 grams. This possibly indicates a standardised weight unit, though weight units seem to vary considerably across the Viking world with little international standardisation though it's interesting to note that the silver ingot found during the excavation weighed 22.22 grams, so it supports the idea of a standardised Woodstown weight. The use of hack silver as a key form of currency supports the theory that the majority of activity at Woodstown dates to the 9th century, relatively early in the story of the Vikings in Ireland. Fragments of coins discovered at Woodstown really brings the extent of the international trading network of the Vikings into focus. One coin has been identified as an Islamic silver dirham, which was minted in Wazit in southern Iraq. By the end of the 10th century, coinage had become the main currency for the Vikings, as King Citric Silkenbeard established Ireland's first mint in Dublin. Due to the lack of historical records and the small scale of excavation, we cannot definitively say what the Vikings at Woodstown were trading. They would have been likely to have imported exotic goods like Baltic amber, whalebone from Norway, jet from northeastern England and perhaps even luxury fabrics like silk. Slaves were one of the key Viking exports throughout their history. Among the many entries recorded by monks in the Irish annals were events like the raid on the Hoth Peninsula in 821 AD, when a great number of women were snatched away into slavery. Or in 836, when the Vikings raided the Kingdom of Brega in North County Meath, and over 700 were taken into slavery following a raid on Armagh. Excavations in Viking Dublin revealed grisly evidence of this practice, when an iron slave collar was discovered. It's important to note that slavery was practised in Ireland before the arrival of the Vikings, and it was already a common part of early medieval Irish society. Although slavery would have almost certainly been a key economic export for the settlement of Woodstown, it's likely they would have also exported other things, like hunting dogs, hides, food, cattle and metalwork. One of the most important discoveries during the excavations at Woodstown was the burial of a Viking warrior, positioned around 20 metres outside of the northeastern entrance of the settlement enclosure. The uppermost levels of the grave had been disturbed by ploughing, leaving only the lower levels intact. Unfortunately, due to the highly acidic nature of the soil, virtually nothing remained of the skeleton. However, a number of grave goods were discovered that reveal a wealth of information about the person who was buried here. 
This surviving evidence suggests that burial discovered at Woodstown was almost certainly that of a man who was placed in the grave lying flat on his back, legs outstretched with his head in the southwest corner of the grave. He seems to have been wearing a belt from which a knife and a small whetstone were suspended. A ringed pen either fastened his cloak at the shoulder or secured the folds of a burial shroud at a point near his face. An axe was placed near his left foot, a badly dented shield was placed covering his face. A broken spear was placed alongside him and the point of a broken sword was placed on top of it, pointing towards his feet, while the middle portion of the sword was placed at the dead man's feet, close to the axe head. The hilt was placed on his left-hand side, but appeared to be positioned too highly to have been suspended from the same belt that held the knife and whetstone. From minute traces of textiles adhering to their corroded surfaces, it appears that the majority, if not all, of the weapon fragments were carefully wrapped in cloth before being placed in the grave. Two small rivets that could conceivably have come from an antler or bone comb were also discovered within the soil of the grave. Two of the weapons had been deliberately broken before being placed in with the burial. The spearhead had been broken at the neck and the sword broken in two places. As the pummel of the sword had also been removed, this meant that the sword was in four pieces before it was placed in with the burial. All that remained of the shield was the iron cone known as a shield boss, the central hub of a circular wooden disc. The shield boss showed evidence of being struck with a sharp-edged weapon, though it's impossible to say whether these blows were received during a final battle or as part of a ritual destruction of the object, like that undertaken on the sword and spear. Perhaps there was a belief that by destroying an object in this world, it would be available to the deceased in the afterlife. When the grave was backfilled, it's likely that a surface feature, perhaps a small cairn of stones, was used to mark the site of the grave. This lavishly rich grave with its number of high-status weapons suggests that this individual was of the highest rank of society at Woodstown. Perhaps positioning him in a grave close to the entrance of the enclosure was a visible reminder for the community of the rank, importance and authority of the individual. In the site's heyday during the 9th century, there can be little doubt that Woodstown was one of the most important settlements on the island of Ireland. The archaeological evidence recovered during the excavations and surveys of Woodstown revealed a settlement that, although short-lived, was an exceptionally wealthy place that connected the southeast of Ireland to a vast international trading network. Despite this wealth, however, the site ultimately failed and was abandoned. The late 9th century was a period in which Scandinavian groups in Ireland found themselves increasingly under attack and it culminated in the defeat and expulsion of Dublin's Viking elite in 902. This dramatic event marked the lowest point for Viking Ireland and led to a collapse of Viking power on the island for more than a decade. In the case of Dublin, from archaeological evidence, it appears that daily life continued for the common people in the burgeoning town despite the expulsion of their leaders. However, perhaps many more rural settlements, like Woodstown, were completely abandoned. 
the archaeological evidence from Woodstown appears to point to the Viking settlement being effectively over by the 10th century. But where did the Woodstown settlers go? Unfortunately, due to a lack of evidence from the archaeology or written sources, we can only speculate about what happened in the last days of Woodstown. Perhaps the site ended violently, with a devastating defeat that annihilated the settlers, with the survivors being taken into slavery. If this was the case, it's somewhat surprising that such an overwhelming victory was not recorded in any of the surviving annals. If not an outright slaughter, maybe the settlement was no longer politically welcome. If the Vikings were given permission to establish a base at Woodstown by a powerful king like Kjarvel, perhaps a change in circumstances, such as a change of ruler or faction, meant that the Vikings were no longer welcome at Woodstown. Without trading partners and facing potentially hostile neighbours, such a settlement would struggle. It is possible that the Vikings of Woodstown decided it would be better to simply abandon the settlement and leave. However, it's also possible that the abandonment of Woodstown was not due to outside aggression and instead the site was abandoned in favour of a better location, perhaps in the vicinity of modern Waterford, where a deeper harbour meant easier access for the larger seagoing ships. A series of archaeological excavations in Waterford, carried out between 1986 and 1992, revealed a wealth of information about life in one of the most important Viking towns in Ireland. The earliest evidence recovered dates to the middle of the 11th century, 150 years later than the settlement at Woodstown, although it must be noted that perhaps the earliest settlement of Waterford could yet be discovered elsewhere in the city, and recent excavations at the site of the medieval museum uncovered possible Viking remains that have been dated to the 9th century. In 914, a very large Viking army returned to Ireland and included some of the Dublin Vikings who were exiled a decade earlier. The historical records tell us that this great Viking army landed in Waterford and used the area as a base for a series of campaigns that eventually culminated in the recapture of Dublin in 917. Afterwards, Viking and Hiberno-Norse settlement is recorded as continuing in Waterford. But it's not clear whether this base was in the area of Waterford Harbour, where the modern city lies, or perhaps in settlements like Woodstown. However, it does appear to be the case that as the fortunes of Woodstown declined, the settlement began at the modern city of Waterford. It seems likely that Woodstown and Waterford related to each other in one of three ways. Firstly, that all settlement at Woodstown had finished at the end of the 9th century, perhaps at the time of the Gaelic-Irish campaigns against the Vikings before the settlement at Waterford began. A second possibility is that the two settlements overlapped, with tentative evidence that there was some activity at Woodstown at the beginning of the 10th century. Perhaps it became apparent that the site at Waterford was more advantageous and the settlement at Woodstown was moved to the new location. Or thirdly, that Woodstown was deliberately suppressed to promote the establishment of a larger settlement at Waterford, with the population of Woodstown being moved to the new site, which was at a more accessible point on the river with easy access to the sea. 
the true relationship between Woodstown and Waterford will only be solved with further historical and archaeological research. The discoveries made during the excavations indicate that Woodstown was a settlement that endured over a number of decades, from the middle of the 9th century to the early 10th century. The excavations provided information about the types of craft and industry carried out at Woodstown, with evidence of metalworking and boat building and hints that glass, amber, textiles and lignite were also being worked on site. The presence of hack silver and a large number of lead weights, along with exotic goods like Baltic amber and coins from the Middle East, indicates the importance of trade to the settlement and suggests that Woodstown helped to connect Ireland to the extensive Viking trading network. The burial of a Viking warrior with his weapons indicates a man of extremely high rank and status, and this grave is one of the most important and significant discoveries made at Woodstown to date. As well as male Viking warriors, the remains of teeth from a young child tell us that it was likely that women and children lived and worked in Woodstown, that it wasn't simply a base for raiding and plunder. Though so little of the site at Woodstown has been excavated, it's clear that it is one of the most important archaeological sites ever discovered in Ireland. The information it provides adds greatly to the story of the early Viking Age in Ireland, as it gives new insights into life and death in an early Viking Age settlement. You can read the full story in the new publication, Woodstown, a Viking Age settlement in County Waterford, and many of the artefacts discovered during the course of the excavation are now on permanent display in Reginald's Tower in Waterford City. <laughs>